Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. Here we talk about everything investing real estate. And today I have a very special guest on the show talking about building and investing in real estate. So my name is Peter Leung and I'm a global real estate investor. I own, invest, and develop properties around the world. You may have seen me on videos or on Instagram working with serial entrepreneurs and investors. I'm also a private equity business owner as well as an angel investor as well. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at I am Peter Leung and it is on Facebook where I share videos, ideas, and inspirations as I build intergenerational wealth. So if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at IamPeterLeung.com. And without further ado, I would love to introduce you to a very good friend, a very powerful female entrepreneur, a builder, and an inspiration to me, Miss Mimi Faye, where she is going to talk with us about building. So Mimi, welcome to the show. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me. It's such an honor. Wow. You like totally talked me up there. <laughs> you are incredible. I mean, we've met how many years ago has it been? Like four? Maybe two, two or three. It's got to be that long. As long I don't know. That. Longer Gosh, than that. And it goes by so fast. And, and you are a person with multi-talent. So can you tell us, like, I mean, in, at that time when we first met, um, it was because of an, actually an event I ran, right? Or an event I was speaking That's at. right. Uh, investing in commercial real estate. That was my first introduction into commercial real estate. Right. And from there, you have become a meg mega force in Vancouver in terms of building. It's Awesome to see. Mega and, and force, Peter. Oh my gosh, you have no idea how impressed I am. So anyway, can you first tell us and introduce a little bit about, you know, introduce the, 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 the listeners here, who you are, right? What you do? Um, well, as Peter said, uh, my name is Mimi Faye and I am the co-owner of Honeybee Development Group. So uh, what we do is uh, we're a custom design build uh, company. So we do custom homes, we do contracting work, we do consulting. Um, actually, it's funny because everyone goes, you must be an interior designer, because that's what most women do. And I go, no, 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 I'm a builder. Um, so they're like, oh, really? Um, my background is actually in finance. And I worked in banking for about 10 years of my career. And then life happened, I had kids. And I was forced a blessing in disguise to step back from working the nine to five and start being an entrepreneur. So I'm sure you know, Peter, as soon as you step into the world of entrepreneurship, you don't look back, right? It's, it's no. you make your own hours, you can be creative, you build something that you can call your own and it's that pride of ownership. So I got into construction and you know, and right off the bat, Peter said, what is one message that you want to send out to your listeners today? Um, and I know a lot of you guys aren't in Canada, is that if you're a female or male, you know, doesn't gender doesn't matter anymore. You can exceed uh, in any industry that you want if you put your mind to it. As a matter so, of fact, uh, I, I, don't you find that women have become such a bigger force, you know, in, in even the last five years. But not only that, they, they have a lot of skill sets that are, I think, in my opinion, far superior to men. They're, they're more, uh, you know, what, to elaborate about that. I mean, like being a female builder, like 
not only a female entrepreneur, but a female builder? Do you, do, how do you feel your skill sets really allow you to excel um, in, this, in, this, in this field? Um, well, that's a loaded question, Peter. But before that, I wanted to comment on you uh, saying uh, women excel. So I don't necessarily agree. I think these days, like, you know how they say straight white men have it bad because they used, you know, everyone saying, oh, just because you're a straight white male, you get all these privileges. I think there are a lot of things that men are very good at. Um, and I don't want to stereotype, but in general, women are you know, they're better at maybe communicating a little bit, um, maybe multitasking. So then, uh, you know, they, the stereotype is where women are in HR because we can maybe better resolve conflict in a more roundabout, refined way. And, um, you know, males have egos, maybe some women do as well, but maybe women are able to get around that ego. Like if there's two males going at a problem, they might be butting heads, whereas women are more able to go, well, I understand where your point is coming from, but maybe we could try this. So, you know, it's, it's a personality thing. I don't want to generalize. Um, to answer your question about being a female builder, uh, I think really uh, my advantage has been my people skills. So I'm a mother of three, I have three young children. And I always tell people uh, managing trades is just like managing children. <laughs> it's the same psychology. It's the same multitasking where you're trying to do, you know, 10 different things at once. You have, uh, I have kids show and tell. I have their hot lunch. All of those things in my calendar. I have all of my trades, who should come in at what time, all in my calendar as well. So the multitasking, being able to over communicate with them. Because um, a lot of the issues that I find is people assume that if I give you instructions, let's say, Peter, to do this, I assume you understand, but that's not the case most of the time. Um, so the communication is really, really key. Um, and also is the ego. I, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the construction industry, but there's a lot of that flying around. Like you get in there and it like punch you in the face. Like when trades people start arguing about who did whose job, who did whose job right, who did whose job wrong, um, a lot of conflicts arise and it really is not beneficial to anybody because at the end of the day, all we, our common goal is to finish a product on time, on quality and on budget. Right. So with me, I think the biggest thing is I'm able to kind of, mend everybody together i'm always smiling and they're like oh you're always so happy it looks like you're you don't have a stress in the world i'm like you know what sometimes it means i'm nervous like maybe now and sometimes it means that i'm just asking you nicely to do something and you can't say no to smile <laughs> right. right so there's a so tip right kind of, there <laughs> exactly and I always smile when I'm on the phone talking to someone as well. I'm always smiling when I'm asking them to correct a mistake. And I'm always smiling when I'm asking them to meet a deadline. So that really helps. Um, you know, other than that, just like everything, just like with kids, it's trust and respect. So I honestly believe if you respect someone, it doesn't matter how much money they make. It doesn't matter what profession they do. They could be the cleaners. They could be the delivery people. 
If you treat someone with respect, put that ego aside, they will jump through hoops to get things done for you. And so I think that's maybe what I, you know, and I didn't discover this through like a book or in theory or anything like that. It's just reflecting after you sent me these questions. I'm like, I think that was my advantage. And because of it, I've been able to gain a lot of net, like a lot of good relationships, good network and uh, people like working with me. Right. That's incredible. I mean, that's an incredible tip that you just shared there. The communication, the respect for the people that you work with is, is huge. And that's why you've been able to build that. And I think that that's the uniqueness of over what you do and how you do it. But can you elaborate with us for a lot of us investors? A lot of people really don't understand the billing, as you say, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know, why, you know, because it's sort of one of these things that goes well. You know, either you're, you could be, especially in Vancouver or in you know metropolitans, we're not so used to the building aspect, right? Mm -hmm. So can you run us through? You know, you build custom homes, you work with uh, investors, you work with people who want to build their home for their own lifestyle. How does this all work, and how does um, you know, how, you know, walk us through sort of this, you know, this mystery of building. Right. Okay. Um, now, Peter, please feel free to hone me in because this is a even more loaded question than your first one. Um, so I do a lot of consulting work and I encourage everybody to, uh, who's interested to, you know, contact me if they want, um, you know, free of charge, one hour phone conversation, because how I got started in this industry, I'll tell you a bit of background first. Um, maybe it'll help with uh, what I'm going to say next. But I wanted to build my own family custom home 10 years ago. Like the, right before our wedding day, when I married my husband, we sat on the bed and we said, okay, you know what? This is going to be our dream. Like, this is what we want. So I've been planning this for a long time. And I told you I'm in finance, right? So I don't know anything. I've never lifted a hammer in my life. And so I, we, we've been doing a lot of homework. I go out and I price, you know, how, how much is it? How much per square feet does it cost to build a home? So I take this question and I ask builders, I ask friends, oh, do you know any contractors, this and that? And nobody was able to give me an answer. Um, and we talked to somebody that we trust, like we really trust this person and he's a home builder. And he said, give me your plans, give me your drawings. And I said, well, I don't have drawings. I don't even have a lot. Like, I don't know if this is even the right thing for me. Like, okay, if I, if I had drawings, that means I would have invested, you know, a million dollars in Vancouver for a lot. Is that even the right move for me? I don't know. Right. So with that being said, um, that it was very murky to me. Right. So a lot of the times when clients are trying to figure out whether this is actually something that they want to do, I encourage them to talk to me. We'll sit down. We'll look at, okay, what does your budget look like? And what areas, like, what are you building for, right? Are you building for investing? Are you trying to flip? Are you doing Airbnb? Are you doing it? like a family home, a dream home, a luxury home. Um, there's just so many things that we can do. But then at the end of the day, it's money, right? A lot of people are spending, you know, if not their whole life savings on their home. 
or a big chunk of change for some other people. So let's work backwards. Let's say I have X amount of dollars. Okay, I can tell you for a, let's say a custom home that's not super high-end luxury, we can do it at, um, I don't know, $200 a square feet. Then let's work backwards. How many units do you need? Do you want an in-law suite? Do you want a rental suite? How many kitchens do you want? Approximate size, that'll leave you a budget for the, for the lot, for the land. And if, you, if it doesn't leave you much, then I'd say, you know what, maybe we need to cut down somewhere. So let's work backwards, right? Because when I was looking around, everyone was saying, give me your plans. And I'm like, well, I can't. I, it, it logically doesn't make sense. It's not a feasible plan to do it that way. So then working backwards is one thing that I encourage everybody to do. And a lot of the times when we have our consult, we leave it at that. And I tell the, people, the clients to go home, worry about, the, you know, think about their finances. How are they going to come up with the money? Where are they going to live during this build? It might be a year, it might be two years. Um, and those are the things that I can't help them with, but at least it gives them some sort of direction. Um, another example I can give you is uh, I can, I sometimes help my clients look for lots. So the client will show me a listing online and they go, how, and you and I have been doing that a little bit too, right, Peter? Absolutely, so, absolutely. Like if a client today showed me a lot that was half subdivided, so it was in a really desirable neighborhood, but it had on the listing, it said it, it was one step away to being subdivided. So then I go, what does that mean? And they go, well, the city had pre-approved it. So then I'll do my homework. I'll go, I'll call the realtor. I'll call city hall to see, you know, at what point, because it's subdivisions cost a lot of money. A lot of people might not know that. Um, there's a lot of civil work that goes into it, meaning your sewage pipes, all the, all the infrastructure that goes underneath the ground that we don't see actually is a lot of money. So, right. so I'll, I'll, I'll take clients through, I'll walk them through, okay, you know what, this is how you go online to your city municipality website to look for these things on your own. Um, and that's how we kind of start off the project. Um, I tell them, if you want to do it within budget, I'll give you some ideas. Maybe I'll help you design the house in a way that perhaps we don't need to put steel beams in like an open concept home. Perhaps we can line up the posts and beams in a way that the engineering costs, maybe we don't need so many really, really big beams if we line them up on load bearing walls, right? So there are things that we can help to cut down the cost for the client um, right. and, you know, help them be able to still achieve that dream of building a custom home. Because right. when I was looking for a builder, that was what I couldn't find in the market. And if I didn't become my own builder and help the friends around me, they wouldn't have been able to do or been able to have their own custom home. So right. I'm a miracle worker. I feel like I change lives and I love handing the key over to the new owner and having them open the door, walk into their house and be like, wow, like you've changed the quality of our life. And you've changed our financial trajectory because they're building equity as well. Yes. So how, and I, I, can, I can feel it. For those who are listening, they might not be able to see the smile on your face, but man, it's like, 
you're glowing because this is what you enjoy. This is what you feel that there's so much passion that you can make a difference for other people. So it's it's huge, right? Because the impact that you can make. So Mimi, how, you know, uh, how is it that, actually, before we get into that side of things, how do you select? I mean, you, you brought in the question of builders, right? How do you select? I mean, for those who are listening, how do you, are there some key tips that you can share of like finding good, you know, builders, like in this case, like what are, what are things to look for and what are things to avoid? Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost is you have to like this person. Like so I, is very important. yeah, like you have to build that relationship. And I'm all, I always emphasize trust and respect, trust and respect, trust and respect. So you have to trust each other and you have to respect each other. So Peter, let's say you and I are building a house. I'm building a house for you. You have to kind of like me. I have to kind of like you. You're not just the client because it's a labor of love. You and I will be talking weekly, sometimes daily. I might talk to you more than my husband some days when we're talking about things for the house. So, you know, I don't want you to dread picking up my phone call (laughs) and like what? So that relationship, I would say, is talk, talk, talk. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you talk to enough people that you can gauge right off the bat within 15 minutes of this conversation if you like this person or not. And if you feel like you don't like this person, then, then don't force it. It doesn't matter what kind of offerings they have. Um, just don't. Just follow your gut. So that's kind of very like fluffy, right? Um, number two is, so a lot of builders have a bad reputation because they're making a management fee up front and okay. getting a kickback after the fact. Okay. And I'm sorry, builders, if other builders are listening, um, that have just ruined your trade secret. Uh, the industry is very murky at times, but there's a lot of very, very good people out there, you know, who do quality work and you pay for it. But you don't want to pay someone who says they're giving you quality work and really they're just giving you average. Right. Um, so you don't want to be paying for that. And everybody, and the weird thing is when you're building a house, People go, oh, I want to build the best house. And, and it's human nature, right? If I'm going to spend so much money and so much effort, I want to do the best that I can within my budget. And a lot of builders kind of take advantage of that psychology of the, the client. And they go, oh, you know, we, we want to make this house um, structurally sound. So we're going to buy extra lumber like extra good quality lumber of course it's going to be structurally sound like you have it needs to adhere to the building code like it has to pass inspection like don't say that your house is better because you're paying two hundred thousand more than the next house because the builder told you that like you know but as an like peter if someone said that to you you would pay that extra hundred thousand let's say would you <laughs> just because of the psychology of oh hey you know what while i'm already at it i might as well put you know more especially for those who are building a home to for them to live in exactly especially that 
right? Mm -hmm. Because then you're so attached to what you're building. Oh, I'm going to live here. I want the safety for my children. Yeah. I want like better material. And, and, and that catches the psychology of, of building, right? Yeah. And builders take advantage of that. And a lot of the times the builder will quote you a very reasonable price to get the business and then do, have cost overruns during the project and right. think about it. And that's very scary. And that's what I was afraid of. Okay. So I like, we don't have family money, right? Everything that I have, I've earned. So I'm putting my life savings, leveraging like all eggs in one basket to build something for my family. And I go out and some builders are telling me $300 a square foot. Some builders are telling me, uh, 250 plus 18% management fee. And then I hear, you know, John Smith down the street saying, Oh my gosh, I will never build again because we ran over 50% of our budget. And I'm thinking, wow, if I put pour my life savings into this project and I end up running over and I can't finish, like, where am I going to live? What am I going to do with a house with no roof? Like, what right. am I going to do with a house with no washrooms? Right? So, a lot of the times I think for the end user who doesn't really understand the process of building, they don't see a final product. It's a long turnover time as well. And the cost overruns could just kill your deal. So how do you, how do you avoid that? I mean, if that's the biggest fear and I, I recognize that tremendously, how do you, how, is there anything that you can share with us really quickly that goes, how do you build on time and how do you, um, not go over budget. Is there, is there anything that you can share from the inside out yeah. for those who are investing, for those who are building their own home? How do you avoid these things? So that all goes back to communication and over communication. So again, what I'm good at is managing expectations. Okay. So what does that mean? It's really managing the client's expectation. Okay, so let's say I'm going to use a case, a case study. Uh, one of my clients, he wants to build his dream house. And he's very, like, he has, likes to have host parties. He wants, like, things big. He wants them luxurious. But he only has $900,000. And he wants to maximize. So we built a house for him that's 4,700 square feet. And with everything designed that he wants. Now, here's the thing. He goes, oh, I want branding. I'm like, you know what? We can't afford it. Like, you're going to have to cut back. And so sometimes I, I don't think he likes me. Sometimes he probably um, dreads getting my phone calls. Is because I, I run a really tight ship. And I tell him right up the front. I'm like, you know what? You've shopped around for builders, and this is the price that I gave you, and this was the price that you were able to do it in. And you know that. Other people were quoting you a certain price, but you also have to make sacrifices. Life isn't perfect that way, right? Give or take. So I'm going to be the person that's going to be the bad guy. Really, like right up, right off the bat, I tell him we're going to have to make sacrifices. I'm going to help you save as much money. And we do like a budget sheet, right? So every item, we, I have a budget and the budget comes to his, his total that he had in mind. But every single budget item, I aim to be below that. So we mm. can have some money left over. And I go, okay, now we have 
an extra, like for now, we haven't touched our contingency of $90,000, 10%. So I said, you can build a pond in your backyard. It's 15 grand, go for it. Um, you can go crazy on your tiles. You can get Italian imported. You can do whatever. Like um, you can buy expensive fixtures. You can get a gold-plated uh, toilet if you want. But those are the things. Gold-plated toilet. <laughs> I always joke about that. You know, right. it's like. I, I think the Chinese people are going to, they're, they're sort of serious about that. I mean, I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Really? Yeah, I know. It's actually, some people actually like that. But, you know, and I, I joke about that because it's outrageous. But in the beginning, I run a really tight ship. And, you know, people don't, might not like that, but that's just how I roll. And, and that's again, how you fall under me. budget. That's how you help them fall under budget. Yes, and, yeah. and be able to do it in a, in a timely fashion as well. Yeah, yeah. So I would, um, going back to your question, for builders, when you're interviewing builders, get a reference. See if, call a couple of people that they've built for and ask, were they on budget? Were they on time? And were they on the quality that you expected? So, you know, you, us as builders, we always have to give a warranty. So the quality shouldn't be too far off. I mean, there's finishing and, you know, tiles, like, well, maybe the tiler missed, missed a little, a couple centimeters here or there, but you get what you pay for, right? So you, it's unrealistic to say, I only spent minimal amount of money and I wasn't happy with the quality, right? That's not fair, but quality meaning, did you have any warranty callbacks? Right? Were there any major um, structural issues, um, water issues, things like that, where it was obviously the builder's um, lack of ability to detect these issues before mm -hmm. they came up. Okay. Um, yeah, so the second would be budget is a huge thing for most end users. Uh, first is you, you got to like this person, the budget. And the third is to be very... Um, hands-on, uh, the builder must be able to present to you actual invoices from the sub-trades and not run it through their company because that's when you get the kickbacks. And a lot of people say, I don't want to worry about those things. Like, um, I don't want to be looking through 100 invoices a month. And that's fine. But maybe the key ones, like, is the builder able to provide you that invoice if you ask for it? And that's really important because I know people who fired their builder because windows were marked up like 100%. Um, so let's say, Peter, again, I'm building your house and you go, can you show me um, the lumber invoice? Or maybe, and I always tell my clients, just pay it yourself. It, and they're like, oh, it's okay, I trust you. I'm like, no, it's not about a trust thing. It's about a transparency thing. It gives you peace of mind. It gives me peace of mind. And if you have points on your credit card, you might get a trip to Hawaii after this whole thing is done. So let's say, Peter, you say, um, I kind of, can, can you give me the lumber invoice? Can I pay it myself? I go, sure, right. of course you can. Um, pay for the windows. Write a check to the window company directly. Write a check to, you know, your person who's providing you all the fixtures and all the lighting. Do that. And then at least the big items and a couple of key items you can spontaneously ask for these things. And if they're able to give it to you with no hesitation, it's great. Um, right. I've also interviewed builders for friends before, 
And uh, one builder said, absolutely not. I know my sub-trades for 20 years. They've worked with me and I pay them directly. Absolutely not. So, what so do you that think is the one to avoid, or that—that's—that's that's where you're saying the transparency is a little different. Yeah, I mean, if you have worked with them for twenty years, that's totally fine. I—I I get that, but that just makes the person feel in the dark. Mm. You know, like they feel in the dark, um, and a lot of builders don't want you to talk to their sub trades directly which I find, um, I understand because a lot of times, Peter, you go to my plumber and say, move that pipe. And the plumber comes back to me and said, hey, Peter told me to move that pipe. And I go, well, we can't move that pipe. It's not in, you know, whatever, right? That's going to cost you more, Peter. Hey, budget, <laughs> right? So that's, that's the time when the builder doesn't want the client to talk to the subtrades directly. Right. But it's okay. Like, get their number. Like, if you have questions, be able to call them. If you want to pay them directly, you should be able to have that option as well. Doesn't mean you will do it because it's a lot of work. And sometimes you can't find, you know, the, the, the boss of their crew to mm. pay. Um, or you just want to pay a lump sum to me every month and I distribute the funds. But still, that option's open for you. Right. That's it a very, very up. valuable tip. Because I think that a lot of times it's this, this this black box for a lot of investors or even people building for their own mm -hmm. home and not having any level of transparency over the process or even over the the, the billings and, and and that fear can be really quite overwhelming yes so, yeah yeah for sure so Mimi can you walk us through your investment strategy like you know is there's lots of things that we can do in in Vancouver for the interest uh, of, of us as well, you know, looking for laneway houses or building a secondary, you know, like, uh, or perhaps rebuilding. How do we identify? Can you share with us sort of stuff that you and I have been talking about, you know, in terms of what we can do as a strategy? Um, can you, can you pick a few things off in terms of, I mean, don't, you don't have to reveal all your secrets because I know there's a lot. I don't um, have any secrets. You know, what are you talking about, Peter? <laughs> share with us a few, you know, investment strategies for what the, what a builder can really come into supporting, right? And helping this whole process. Right. Um, like you and I talked last week about investment opportunities, right? And uh, so in my opinion, right now with the real estate prices, building to flip, in my opinion, might not be the most profitable. The reason is because the land values are quite high. Building costs haven't really come down. And it's just a lot of risk to put your, like to, you know, you're putting in, let's say $2 million into this project, holding it for a year to a year and a half to sell. And your the return on investment isn't as high as it used to be. Now, with that being said, building to live in um, or adding renovations, like large scale renovations, such as additions or total guts are still really value added uh, projects that are right. feasible and profitable in um, a market like this uh, building to live in is always a good idea because it doesn't matter right like if you're going to live in it real estate prices as you probably agree peter it'll go up and down but hey you got a roof over your head you're enjoying it um, you only live once so that is it, it will always it'll always uh appreciate in value over right. the long run, right 
right? right. And I always say that that is a uh, where you know building for your own home or having a your primary residence is not really just an investment. It's also a lifestyle choice, right? It's a choice of your you know exactly. of that you're making for your lifestyle for your your family. So yeah. I think that that warrants a sort of sometimes a little different mentality. But mm-hmm. uh, you know I totally agree with you. I think that you know there's there's a lot more. Uh, risks in the market considering what's going to be 12 months or 18 months down the line um, in terms of where value is going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, if you build to live in, you're still building equity. So a lot of people go, well, why would I build when I can almost spend the same amount of money because the markets have softened a little bit and buy something that's already built for me? Well, the funny thing is it's, um, it's very hard to buy a house that you like in the location that you want. And even if you find a house like that, the price is right, the location is right, the number of bedrooms is right, they'll use some butt ugly tile that you're just like, WTF. (laughs) And and that that listing you showed me last week, it was so ugly. (laughs) That house? (laughs) Yes, you and I were playing around with that. (laughs) And I was like, oh. And, and when you saw it, you were like, wow, that is an ugly house. Oh, my gosh. Like, what a waste of lumber. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously. And you can't even, like, it's, it's almost done to the point where you can't even fix it. It's just that ugly, guys. Don't ask Peter for the house, but, yeah, it's really ugly. Trust me. Um, but, you know, hey, some people like that. If that's their taste, then... Maybe they won't be, they can't find an ugly house that ugly on the market in a location that they like. So we have to build one for them. (laughs) Um, So so how do you, so, so you talk about value add, right? And that's a, that's a very key word that I take away from that. How do you value add? What type of things outside from really like building a house from ground up, right? You know, like buying a house with a piece of land and then tearing it down and rebuilding. What type of things can a builder do for, the investor in this particular case specifically you know in terms of regutting like or, or getting out a property or perhaps an addition to the property or building a a second uh, you know laneway house or a second piece of property can you share a little bit about that and how that value add can be applied i think the biggest thing is the customization and when a builder really gets to know their client i mean um I get into your head and I think how your family would be able to utilize the space. Um, It's really the, I guess the value add is in the customization is being able to deliver something to the client that they didn't know they wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, a lot of the times the client would come and have on a piece of paper, okay, I have a blueprint of what I want, just build it like this. I saw a house that looks like this, and we would make a little bit of tweak, well, we'd make tweaks to it, and they go, oh yeah, yeah, actually, you know what, that's what I want. And then we'll go into um, the interior design portion, and sometimes we hire an interior design designer, sometimes I just do it with the client, if the client has an interest, I think we can, you know, there's so many apps out there these days. Pinterest is a big resource. I can understand enough where the client's coming from that we can design the house together. So a lot of the times, little things like little fixtures, they might not even have thought of. And I go, well, you know what? In another house, 
a regret of that owner was that they didn't install, let's say, a paper towel holder. You know, you have those big islands and you have this ugly thing that stands in the middle of the island. Well, sometimes you can build it into the bottom and so your island is nice and clean. Because <laughs> nobody wants to open a drawer for paper towels when there's a spill, right? So, right. and so these are the things that kind of goes, oh, you know what, I never really thought about that. Or, um, you know, just little, little things. So value add is, sometimes the client doesn't even realize they need this functionality or they possibly might grow into it. And it's the experience from the builder, right? So the, the, you're really, when you pay for a builder, you're leveraging their network and their expertise. So they have built houses where they've made mistakes. So you bet you they're not gonna make that mistake in your house again. They've gone through um, different trades. They've eliminated working with the bad trades and they keep the good ones. If the good ones don't perform, they kick the good ones out again and they find more. So you get a better price. So I always tell people, you know, I get the wholesale price and you get the Chinese price. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, and, and uh, the Chinese price is 30% higher. You know that, right? <laughs> and, we, but we just like being Chinese and being cheap anyway. Well, you know, that's the thing, right? And um, it's unfortunate because I'm Chinese too. Uh, we get a reputation, oh, they're Chinese. They must have money. So let's just rip them off. Like it's, Which it's is true. <laughs> and also, um, I guess there's not a lot of Asians in the construction industry. They're usually, we're usually engineers, accountants, and realtors right. that, um, you know, there's a little bit of that. Uh, I hate to say it, but there's a little bit of that in right. this industry. Um, on the flip side, sorry? A little bit of stereotyping. but A little bit, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just said that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it, it exists. On the flip side, being a female, um, when I go to the lumber yard, all the guys are helping me with loading lumber into my truck. So that's also a plus, too, of being a female builder, I guess. So Mimi, what, um, you know, just to cap things off a little bit, can you, can you tell us what you're currently passionate over? Like, you know, you've, you've, you know, are you, are you wanting to build more uh, for clients? Are you building a lot for investors? It seems like that you're building a lot for end users, for their primary residence, for a place mm -hmm. that they want to live in. Are you also doing work for uh, investors in this particular case? Um, building homes that are that have that value, um, that, that equity in it, and that forced appreciation in terms of building homes or even getting homes. Are you, are you doing a lot of that, or is that what you're passionate about? My biggest passion is building the relationship and um, creating a product. It's a labor of love. I always say that. So creating that product and delivering something beautiful, um, and I just love that clients love me for it and I get invited to all these awesome house parties after. Um, so I would say that's my high income skill and that's what I really enjoy doing. With that being said, it's a lot of work. So it's a lot of time. It's a lot of mental, like I have nightmares about my client's homes. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now, like I had a nightmare the other day that my client painted all his cabinets uh, black and he drew skeletons on them. And he said that was like the new like art or something. Like, so it takes up a lot of my brain power 
and but I really enjoy doing it. So I take on about two or three clients a year, and right. that's my limit. Um, that's where I'm still able to enjoy what I do and make enough money to, uh, you know, for my time and be able to sustain my business. On the side, I do investing. So, you know, I would love to do a project, you and me, one day where we go in together, we can develop, um, we can invest, we can do the speculative, we can do the renos, we can do all of that stuff. So I would say my passion is with design a little bit, with mm -hmm. relationship building, with delivering beautiful products. I think um, it kind of stretches a little bit further away from construction and more into being an artist and delivering a masterpiece. That's amazing. On that a budget. Amazing. That, and, and on budget is key. And, and, and timing, budget. right? And, and on time, right? Is, yeah, is, yeah. And that's a great skill to have as a, as a builder yourself, right? Being able to um, have investment partners and have other people that can provide some el other elements of the business and you being exactly. able to, I just want to do what's beautiful, what's great and what's going to mm -hmm. be attractive for the next sale. So I think that's, uh, yeah. that's you know, I, I, I've always recommended people having a, sort of a build team in some capacity. If you want that forced appreciation, you need people that you can trust and call upon to be able to look for that property or look at that property and go, well, what, what is this going to cost? Right. And, and otherwise, you know, of course, at the very beginning, you need somebody you can trust. And then later on, you can build sort of your own price point as you understand, Hey, how much everything does cost. Exactly. Um, but at the beginning, it, it's very, very critical to have the right build team on your side. Um, for sure. Yeah. And you know, we, we can't be a master of all trades, right? We do, we st we do what we're good at. Everyone's like, why don't you get a realtor's license? I said, no, I, I can't, I don't have time for that. I have good realtors on my team. You know, I have savvy investors like yourself. You always have great tips on investing like, and overseas as well. You know, it opens up my horizons to, Hey, you know what we could do into commercial, like we could do commercial renovations. Um, there's an endless list of possibilities when you have the right team in place and the right people can make a bad deal good. And let's try not to go into those bad deals, but man, it, it's That's tough to recover can, them. But you can uh, turn things around. Let me put that. Okay. Yeah. 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 You, yes. turn, you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the relationships in building business. You, you know, investors need that team and that team needs the people with the funding and everything else like that. And that's very important to have all aspects of, of property covered. And when, when you want to do these things, you want the right people on board and that will make or break a project. And if you don't have the right people, it, it does make it a lot more frustrating. No, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So, Mimi, how do, when people want to, like you say, you're, you're offering a consultation, you're offering them a little bit of an experience to, uh, you know, pick, pick your brain a little bit. How can they get a hold of you and, you know, how, how can they contact you and, and, and seek your advice? Um, they can go to my website, uh, www.honeybeedevelopment.com or they can follow me on Instagram, honeybee.development. Uh, or 
I don't know, find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page too. I'm not a social media person, so I very I admire you for doing podcasts and all this stuff, but I'm actually very private and I don't like being on camera as much. So uh, yeah, you can contact me through Instagram, Facebook, and I have a website. Great, fantastic. So mm -hmm. thank you, Mimi, for sharing your tips. I would love to invite you back to specifically go through the building process. I know that we, we, we anticipated doing that, but I know that uh, that's a very big piece where a lot of people go, oh, I'm, I'm lost, right? And, yeah. and having an understanding over the future and what is anticipated as part of the plan is going to be very important for an investor to be able to Definitely. budget, to be able to yeah. look into all that. So I know that's a very popular topic that we want to invite you back and specifically talk about as well. But uh, guys, thank you very much for joining us today. And thank you, Mimi, for being here. Hope thank you guys you. learned a lot of these strategies and tips from Mimi because I get a lot of value from her each and every time I hear from her. So again, this is Investorpreneur Podcast where we talk everything investing real estate. Until next time, we invite you back. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank you.